And you may be seated. Well, it's good to see you all here this morning. And today we are uh, we are continuing. Actually, we're concluding our series on courage. And we're going to conclude the series today by talking about Jesus, who I believe is the greatest example of courage that we have in Scripture. But before we get there, I just want to share with you probably one of the, the, be, the probably the best Christmas gift that I received this year was a Garmin GPS system. Now, I'm one of those guys who is not, if you tell me, hey, whenever you get on the road, you need to head east. Uh, There's some people that, you know, they automatically know what that means. Now, I will nod my head like I know what you're talking about, but I I have no, I I have no real good sense of direction. So I'm really excited. I got this GPS system. Any of y'all have one of those in your car? I mean, aren't they, are they great? I think this is like a spiritual, like a spiritual gift that God has shared with people who are who are directionally challenged like me. Um, I like it so much because uh, the lady, I mean, you, so you just type in, you know, the direction that you want to go. And then the lady comes on and she just, she, have you all noticed she's a sweet lady? Um, she'll say, you know, you are in one mile. You are going to come to exit 22 and you will exit right. Now, I love that. Now, my wife, Emily, hates this lady because she, for once, she says, you know, she talks too much. We know we're going anyway. I think really for her that it's she likes to be the one to tell me what to do. And uh, so the lady on the GPS, she has absolutely zero attitude, you know, whenever she's telling me what I'm supposed to do. So I just really enjoy this lady. And you might be thinking, what does this have to do with anything? Not really, not really much. And uh, so I just I anyway, I just want to tell you, it's one of the greatest gifts that I've received. But uh, I believe that most of us I am going to tie this in in just a second. I believe that most of us have a desire to be courageous in the way that we live. I really think that that most of us have a desire to live good lives. We desire to live honorable lives. We desire to live lives that we think are going to be better than the norm. Uh, But very few of us actually live courageous lives. And I think part of the reason why is because we don't know what direction that we are to follow in order to be able to do it. It's like we need a GPS system in order to give us direction and guidance. And yet what many of us do is we say, well, the way I'm going to guide my life, the way I'm going to direct my life is I'm just I'm going to follow my heart. I'm going to follow what I what I think is best. And I know on the surface that sounds really good, but I just want you to understand that your heart and your feelings are not the best guide for your life. Uh, the Bible tells us in Jeremiah seventeen nine, it says the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Now, Villas Church, it's my desire for us, for this church to be a group of people that are going to make courageous decisions in life. And you might say, what kind of decisions are you talking about? I'm talking about making decisions that we're going to base Off of God's word when it comes to how we live, when it comes to how we treat our spouses, how we lead our children, how we make financial decisions, how we make decisions concerning work. And I believe for us to do that, it it takes courage. The question is, well, well, how do we do that? How do we have that kind of courage? And so today in our scripture, we're going to look at the greatest example of courage that there is. And we're going to examine a moment in the life of Jesus When he made a courageous decision to live a life different than anybody else. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to look in Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 36 in a few moments. Uh, So Matthew 26, verse 36, first book in the in the New Testament. Um, 
just to let you all know, know again, in my Bible, it's page 840. So if you want to turn there, you can. So Matthew 26, verse number 36. A little background information. Jesus is coming to the end of his life in this passage of Scripture. Uh, he's a wanted man. The religious leaders of the day couldn't stand Jesus. They were tired of him. They thought that he was withdraw- that he was taking away influence from them. And so they wanted Jesus dead. Now, the best thing for Jesus to do, you know, from his personal perspective, was to protect himself. Uh, the best thing that he could have done was, you know, to sort of when, whenever you get in trouble, what's what's a good thing to do? It's, it's to lie low for a while. It's not to draw attention to yourself, to try to escape from all the trouble. And yet Jesus made a courageous decision. So I'm not going to run away from trouble. Instead, I'm going to live a life according to the leadership of God. And what he did in this moment that we're going to look at today is he laid the foundation for Christianity. And he went to the cross and he died and he was resurrected. Now, as we go through this, as we've been going through this series, I I don't want you to think that we've been going through this series so that I can prepare all all you guys to eventually become martyrs. Uh, that, that was not my original intent, uh, but my intent was that it would move us that when we make decisions, that we would be prepared to make decisions where we will demonstrate courage. Because I'm afraid that if we don't demonstrate courage in our living, in our decision making, where we are courageous, that I'm going to live according to God's word. Then, folks, we are going to miss out on touching the lives of people around us who could be impacted by the powerful message of Jesus. All right, so here's the question. What does it take to be courageous? You know, what are some steps that, that we can apply to our lives to be courageous people like Jesus was? Well, let's, let's look and see what Jesus did. Now, the first step for us to be courageous, number one, is, is you have to have support. If you're going to be a person of courage and you're going to make decisions that are going to be Christ-honoring, one thing you have to have in your life is support. And you can look back in verse 36 It says, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Now, at this point, Jesus knew that his life was coming, that it was coming to a conclusion. As a matter of fact, if you flip back to the very beginning of chapter 26, Jesus said, as you know, the Passover is two days away and the son of man will be handed over to be crucified. Jesus knew he was going to the cross. Now, the question for you is, if you knew that you were going to face a brutal death, you knew it was coming. What are you going to do? Now, I will be real honest with you. I am, I am going to get out of Dodge as fast as I can. There is no way. I, I am one of those guys. There's some people, y'all have a high pain threshold. I, my pain threshold is about like that. I mean, just the thought of pain, and I'm, I'm out. You know, I'm checking out. Now, the best thing for Jesus to do here for his own, from his own you know, bodily uh, protection is to get out. It's to run away. It's to preserve himself. And yet, when it came time for Jesus to make a decision about what he was going to do, he stayed. Now, why would anybody do that? Well, the reason why is because Jesus wanted to order his life around God's calling, God's word. 
And Jesus knew that God had called him for this time to be courageous. As a matter of fact, in John 12, 27, here's what Jesus said. He said, now my heart is troubled and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Jesus acted courageously at this point because if he hadn't, guys, it would change world history. You understand, if Jesus would not have acted courageously and gone to the cross, you know what that means for us? What it means for us is that, that our, our, our debt of sin would not have been paid for. See, there had to be a sacrifice from a perfect offering, which was Jesus, to pay for our debt of sin, that we might be reconciled to God. And so without the sacrifice of Jesus, it means that we miss out on a relationship with God for an eternity, we'd be separated from Him forever. That's what Romans 3.23 is referring to when it says, the wages of sin is death. Now it goes on to say, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Now the question I look at is, how did Jesus have this kind of courage to face what He knew was coming? One of the first things that grabbed my attention is that when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray... He took some people with him. Who did he take with him? He brought his disciples, right? Now, I figure if Jesus, the Son of God, needed support to face the days ahead of him, do you guys think that we are a group of people that would also need support? You know, Jesus didn't try to lone ranger it here. He didn't try to say, hey, I'm tough all by myself. I don't need anybody. I can handle everything all by myself. I look in Scripture and I see what Jesus did is he brought his disciples with him for support. Now, naturally, a lot of us already do things like this. You know, if you're a person who likes sports or you like athletics, you tend to hang around people who are like-minded. Uh, if you're uh, if you're married, your friendships tend to be with married people. If you have children, you tend to be drawn towards people who also have children. We we just gather around people who are like us. But whenever it comes to making a courageous decision spiritually, guys, we can't just grab anybody to be around us. We have to grab people to be around us who have the same desire that we do in order to honor God. Because if we describe anybody, you know what happens to us in our decision making? Because we're willy-nilly, we're all over the place. And oftentimes we, we don't end up in the destination or we don't end up making the decisions that we wanted to make in the first place that are going to bring honor to God. Now again, that's why I, I like our, our GPS system so much. Uh, one thing I have learned is as I travel, there are a lot of roads out there. Y'all notice that? When you drive around, there's roads everywhere. And I'm thinking, which one do I take? Now, the, the GPS, y'all, this is like a sermon for, you know, Garmin. Uh, the GPS thing, dude, it tells you what, it tells you what road you're supposed to take. If it, it weeds out the other roads that aren't going to help you out. It says these are the roads that you take in order to arrive at your destination. Now, I'm, I'm sure most of us are savvy enough to know that in life, not everybody has a desire to go down the road that Jesus has mapped out for us. And most, time we want, most people want, really do want to just live for self and nobody else. That's why we're told in Scripture, Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many, 
Most people enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Now, do you want to prepare yourself to live a life really for Jesus? Do you really want to prepare yourself to live a life that will bring honor to God? Then I want you to understand it's going to take courage. And if you're going to have that courage, you need to surround yourself with godly people. Now, that's why I believe that's one reason why I believe the church is so critical in our lives. It is in the church. And I know not everybody in the church is perfect. Yeah, I know that. I know that then you can sit. I know some people who don't come to church because they say it's full of hypocrites. And you know what? I agree. It's it's but I know that the grocery store is, too. So there's a lot of there's a lot of hypocrites everywhere. But I think whenever we come to the church in general, there's a lot of people who have a desire, whether they're living it out or not, have a desire to follow after the things of God. And if we're going to make courageous decisions, we need to have support. And that's the very first thing that I want you to see. That's what Jesus had in his life. He had support. But the second step that, that we have to take in order to be courageous is we have to also be persistent in our prayer life. So you need support, but you also need prayer. You need to be a person of prayer. Look with me in verse number 39. It says, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body's weak. And he went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Now, the Bible says Jesus went to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. He'd been across over by the temple before this happened. And I, I want to give you a little visual picture here. Uh, the, the temple, it's, it's Temple Mount. So it's like on top of a mountain. And so here's Temple Mount. Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, which means that he left Temple Mount. He walked down into a valley and went to the foothills of the next mountain, just right across the valley. And this is the Mount of Olives. And at the bottom, near the bottom of the Mount of Olives, is the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, why did Jesus go there? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. One, he got away from the hustle and bustle of the city. The gar- it's, you know, it's a garden. It's full of olive trees. It was quieter. And whenever Jesus went there, he went there for a purpose. He went, he went there to get away from the hustle and bustle of the city in order to come to a quiet place where he could pray. Now, why did he want to pray? Because he had a decision to make here. He had a decision. Am I going to go down the easy road? Or am I going to go down God's road? But before he made his decision, he wanted to consult with God. He wanted to see what God had to say to him. He wanted confirmation that he was on the right track. But there's a couple of things I want you to notice about his prayer. One, one, I want you to notice that when Jesus went over there to pray, he didn't just get down and say a quick prayer, you know, whip it out, and then he was done. So guys have prayed, let's go. Our text says that on three different occasions, Jesus came to God in prayer. Now, what did he pray? Well, if you look in verse number 39, it says, He prayed, My Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. 
Many times when we think about Jesus as he's making his journey to the cross, it's, it's very easy to lose the sense of the humanity of Jesus. It's very easy to think that whenever Jesus went to the cross, you know, like he was some sort of robot, and he didn't really have much. He's like, yep, I'm going to the cross today, guys. Let's go. But when I look in this text, I see the humanity of Jesus. As a matter of fact, verse number 37, when Jesus is facing the cross, you know what Jesus says? He says, I am sorrowful. He says, I have trouble in my spirit. This was a big time decision Jesus had to make. There's the humanity of Jesus here. And yet he concluded his prayer. He said, Lord, if you want to take this away from me, I hope you do. But then he concluded by saying, yet not as I will, but as you will. The prayer was give and take. We see that Jesus was sharing what he wanted to happen. But he said, but Lord, I'm going to put myself under your leadership. It's interesting to see that there were some differences in the prayers that Jesus prayed. That the first prayer he prayed was, Lord, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. The second time he prayed, he said, Lord, if it's not possible, may your will be done. By the third time he prayed, apparently there was, everything was clarified for him. The Roman soldiers had come in order to pick up Jesus. But because he'd spent his time in prayer, because he'd sought out the direction of his God, he knew what road he was going to take. He's like, I'm going to go God's road. I'm not going to take the easy road. I'm going to take God's road. Now, let me try to kind of explain this a little bit to you about following the path of God. I, I, I try to picture two, two sailboats. I see two sailboats on the water. They're being driven by the same wind, and yet they are going in opposite directions. Okay, if they're being blown by the same wind, but they're going in opposite directions, here's a little, a little riddle for you. I know y'all are smart. Um, how is that possible? Same wind blowing in one direction, but you have two sailboats going in opposite directions. How does that happen? Anybody know? And then there's no engine. It's a sailboat. We have a lot of nautical people here today. Um, you, you know how that happens? It all is determined by the set of the sail. The set of the sail determines the direction that the boat is going to go. Now, we don't have any control over the winds of life. But what we have control of is how we're going to set our sail. Are we going to set our sail towards God? Or are we going to set our sail towards ourselves? Now, whenever I look into our text, I see what Jesus did. He said, you know what? I am taking down the sail of my own direction. I'm putting up the sail for God's direction. And I'm going to allow him to blow me in that direction. Now, is it scary to do something like that? Absolutely. When you put down your sail and say, Lord, I'm going to trust your direction instead of my own. That's scary. I look at our text. I see Jesus was troubled. But what was the result of it all? Jesus found peace in the decision he made. And I want you to know that whenever you do the same thing, that you can find peace in your life concerning the decision you make when you know you have set your sail to go in the direction of God. God can provide you peace. In Philippians 4, verses 6 through 9, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, how can we be courageous when we make decisions? First, God, we need support. 
Second, we, we need persistent prayer. And this is the last thing I want you to see. The final step in being courageous, very simple step, is you take action. You take action. Now look at our, our final two verses, verses 45 and 46. It says, then he returned to the disciples. He's been praying. He comes back again. He says, are you still sleeping and resting? He says, look, the hour's near. And the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Jesus surrounded himself with disciples. He had a support group. He goes to God in prayer. After he prays, he says, it's time for action. Matter of fact, after he gets finished praying, if you look in the text again, when Jesus comes back to the disciples, he gets onto them again for sleeping. Y'all, just a little side note here. They just celebrated the Passover, so they'd eaten a meal. And so just to cut a little slack for the disciples, they were tired because they'd just eaten. And then they got to pray. I just thought that was interesting. So anyway, he comes back, he's talking to the disciples, and here's what he says to them. He says, rise, let us go. He doesn't come back to him and say, I've got a couple of good ideas here. You know, i got some things that we maybe need to ponder. Jesus said, it is time for action. Now, one of his disciples betrayed him. It was Judas. And Judas brought the soldiers right here, right here to the Garden of Gethsemane in order to point out Jesus. And as he approaches Jesus, you can see the resolve in Jesus' voice. If you read verse 50, Jesus looks at Judas and he says, he says Friend, do what you've come for. He had resolve. Now, how can, how can he have that kind of resolve when he knows he's going to face the cross? You know, for that matter, how, how can we as regular people have resolve that we are going to base our lives off of the Word of God? How can we have resolve that concerning our relationships, concerning our jobs, concerning our finances, concerning everything about us, that we are going to put ourselves under the leadership of Jesus? How can we have that kind of resolve? You know, a lot of us have a, great, a lot of great ideas about what needs to be done. But when it comes to action, that's where we tend to slow down. But I want you to know that if we're not willing to be a people of action, guys, there is a cost that comes with that. I read a story about uh, the 1980s, 1990s Chicago. Some of the city managers knew that the infrastructure in the city was not doing well. and It needed to be replaced. But they, they just avoided it. They didn't do anything about it. Under, under, uh, underground in Chicago, in the business district, there was a leak. And 60 billion gallons of water rushed in from the Chicago River underneath the city of, of Chicago. Now, it, it ended up causing all the businesses downtown basically to be flooded. It, caused, it, just a, it, it became a soggy mess. And everybody got ticked off whenever they looked at the city manager who knew there was a problem in the first place, but he didn't do anything. If they would have just fixed the problem from the beginning, the cost would have been about $50,000. Once you took into the cost of all the businesses and fixing all the infrastructure, the cost ended up being over $1 billion. When we don't act, there is a price to pay. Now what I want us to do, I want us to close by looking at the courage of Jesus. I want you to understand, first of all, that Jesus was not some poor, helpless victim who was, you know, he was a victim to the circumstances of his day. Jesus is the one who took the journey to the cross. Jesus said in John 10, 17 through 18, I lay down my life. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. 
Now, what did Jesus' decision to have courage, what did it mean for us? I like the way author Max Lucado put it in his book, And the Angels Were Silent. Here's what he said. He said, the battle is won. He said, you may have thought it was won on Golgotha. He said, it wasn't. You may have thought the sign of victory is the empty tomb. It isn't. The final battle was won in Gethsemane. And the sign of conquest is Jesus at peace in the olive trees. For it was in the garden that he made this decision. He would rather go to hell for you than to go to heaven without you. Now, Village Church, I believe this. I believe it is time for Christians to be courageous. It is time for us to be courageous in sharing with our friends and our co-workers and our neighbors that there is a God who loves them. It is time for us to be courageous as a people of God in inviting our friends into the church where they can hear the good news of Jesus. Parents, it is time for you to be courageous in living godly lives in front of your children. It's time for us to be courageous in putting aside those things in our lives that hinder our walk with God. And I can go through what some of those things are, but I don't think I really have to because I think you know what those things are. My motivating factor in life and your motivating factor in life needs to be that we would rather deny ourselves than see people miss out on Jesus. Man, it's time for us to be courageous. Now, is it easy? Absolutely not. It wasn't for Jesus. But he took steps that enabled him to be a man of courage that changed our world. What were the steps that he took? Well, he had a support group. He had a persistent prayer life. And he was willing to take action. Now, for us to be courageous, those are the steps for us. Have support. You know, the church is important. Small group ministries are important. To be prayerful. Guys, I cannot emphasize enough the importance of you taking time every day to just simply talk to God, call out to Him, and then to take action. To quit just simply having ideas and just simply say, I'm going to get up and I am going to live my faith. I'm going to love my neighbors myself. I'm going to love my God with all of my heart. What I'd like for us to do at this time, I'd just like for us to bow our heads and to close our, our eyes. And, and I really believe that it's probably time for some of you who are believers, it's time for you to step up and, and to make that decision to be courageous. And maybe where you are, you just simply need to talk to God in prayer and just simply say, Lord, today I want to recommit myself to your leadership. And Lord, there are things in my life that I need to lay aside that I need to remove from my life that are a hindrance in my relationship with you. And Jesus, I, I, I am mentioning those things right now that are a hindrance in my relationship to you. And Jesus, I am telling you today that I want to begin the process of eliminating those things from my life so that I can be a man of courage and I can point people to Jesus. Heavenly Father, I am grateful for your word. I am thankful, Lord. That you have given us the picture of courage. 
right here in the story of Jesus going to the Garden of Gethsemane, when he had a decision to make, it was to follow the easy road, it was to follow God's road. And Jesus, I thank you that you chose the road of God because it is the road that has transformed my life and the life of so many others. Lord, I pray that we will travel down that road as well so that we can direct other people to the road of God so that their lives can be changed for an eternity so they can discover peace and they can discover forgiveness and they can discover that there is a God who has a plan for their life and a life of meaning for them. I pray these things in Jesus' name.